Welcome to Quick Show. My name is Greg Matson, and I am your host. In this episode, we continue our series of seven threats in our times. This episode is number six, addiction and soft, dependent and lost. We are joined by Del Tackett, of course, the author of the series. Welcome back, Del. Thanks, Greg. It's good to be back with you. All right. As I went through this threat here, as you've written about, um, what I kept thinking thinking about was this was kind of like the you you talk about f- these four different areas: addiction, being soft, dependent, and lost. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me like, in many ways, these were four ways that the adversary has softened the belly, so mm-hmm. to speak, of our society. Is that kind of the way you approach it? I, I think that's exactly right, and uh, I think it's easy to to think in those terms when you begin to look at us uh, culturally. You know, you when you go to a, a doctor and if, if you get diagnosed with some sort of a disease or, or or a virus or something like that, you know, your ability to withstand that, to survive, I guess it, it could be, even uh, to the extent of survival, is going to be based upon uh, your current uh mental and physical state you know because if you're weak and you get hit uh with a disease then it could well into in your death you know or it could become uh extremely uh, bad for you uh with maybe even long-term consequences so it's important to assess the and this is what we're trying to do here in this thread is to say well, if we have all of these threats that are aligning uh, against us today, it's important to then say, well, how strong are we? You know, are we, uh, do we have the mental and spiritual and physical uh, strength and health to withstand these? And um, unfortunately, I think when you look, you look at it, you say, no, uh, we have become uh, all of these things. We've become addicted. Uh, we become uh, soft, we become dependent, uh, and really quite lost. And so that leaves us in a very weakened state, um, and I th- a state that is really ripe for for an overthrow. I mean, you know, I think we mentioned in the article that, that if you look at uh, Rome uh, before it fell, uh, we we have the same kind of attributes as as Rome at that point. So so it's worth noting and it's worth uh, um, being cognizant of where we are and and what needs to be done to change it. You know, I think it's important too. You know, there, there's this, these two sides of the spectrum that that society kind of follows and, and sometimes attacks both sides. One one is, oh well, you're being a fear monger. Right, you're 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 looking at what the way things are today. You know, everything's fine. You're you're being a total fearmonger. You're looking for outrage. You know that that that's one side, and so that 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 gets attacked on the other. And 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 the other one, obviously, you can say, well, you're you know on the other end of the spectrum, you can just stick your head in the sand, right? And and, and you can yeah. say, hey, this is there's nothing wrong. Nothing's going on. Things are great. Um, we really do. It seems to me need to be able to take an assessment of ourselves our families, and our society of where we're really at. 
Yeah, you know, it doesn't do any good uh, to say, you know, I don't want to see the doctor because I'm afraid he may give me bad news. I mean, that's really silly uh, to think about. And some people do. I know people who do that. They just don't want to hear bad news. And and those would be the people we would say you're sticking your head in the sand. But um, if, if, if you want to be honest and look into the mirror and, and to see uh, the state that you're in, that's the only way you're going to be able to uh, go forward with any kind of a remedy or, or a solution. And so uh, on all the webinars I've done on each one of these threats and every article that I wrote on these, and in particular this one as well, I, I end with that to say, you know, this is not for the remnant to wring their hands, to have their hearts melt, uh, to to say woe is me and so forth. What this is is to do is to help us understand honestly where we are, uh, because if you don't know you've got a problem, then uh, then you'll never work towards a solution. And so that's why we're doing this. Yeah, I think you need to know where you are in order to know how to act and what you know behavior, what needs to be changed, what solutions need to be brought about. Yep. Um. I, I think that's and that's what you're doing here, right? These seven threats are exactly taking a, a, a an accounting of of kind of where we're at. The yep. the first of the four is addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you say here if one considers substance addictions, because that's just one side of this. Uh, the stati- the statistics are not good. Conservative numbers indicate that one in sixteen adults has an alcohol abuse. Uh, it, with college students, one in three are using marijuana, one in eight cocaine, one in eight use hallucinogens, one in 10 ecstasy. Um, and then above and beyond that, something that isn't talked about nearly enough is the opioid crisis that uh, so many of us have friends or family members that have been affected by this, sometimes very tragically uh, affected by this type of addiction uh, to to these opioids. Substance abuse is definitely uh, a, a um, boy, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's a, uh, anyway, it, it's a manifestation of a broader problem, I think, of, of addiction. And, and somehow our belly has been softened to the point where addiction has been able to come in further and further. Isn't that right? Yes, it is. And, and when we look at these other areas, the, the other three areas, uh, one in particular, the, when we get to the last one, lost, we lose when we lose uh, the larger story of God and who we are and, and, and whose we are, when we lose an understanding of that, uh, then we fall into all kinds of these pathologies. And the, the, la- the lack of any kind of a um, a, a purpose for life, a meaning for life, the lack of any significance in myself, um, that, that is one thing that leads us to try to solve our lostness, uh, to solve our loneliness, uh, to solve the, the sense that I feel insignificant. I acted in all kinds of ways. One of those ways try, is to try to salve that pain uh, to salve that loneliness, to salve that lack of significance uh, with drugs or with substances. Uh, I mean, there's another addiction that I think is even more serious, and that is 
uh, not only just uh, substance addiction, but also activity. The definition of addiction is is when someone uh, is um, repetitively involved in a substance or activity uh, that's that's unhealthy. And of course, we are addicted to all kinds of activities, whether in entertainment, music, social media, uh, all of those things that draw us. Um, away from being fruitful, just like substance abuse, abuse will do that. It destroys the fruitfulness of an individual. And, and here's where I think it's easy for us to say, this is what the enemy would want, right? He would want America uh, to become so addicted to our our entertainment or to our drugs and alcohol and and, and marijuana and so forth, that it will destroy the fruitfulness of the individual and therefore the glory that is due to God. So you talk about this loss of significance. I, I think what that seems to create in each of us, right? A, a strong identity of children of God, each of us mm -hmm. being a child of God, of, of a meaning and moving forward in the gospel of truth and order as that leaves our souls, so to speak. It, it leaves a vacuum. It leaves a void mm -hmm. that that has to always. I mean, these things always have to be replaced with something, right? When you give something up, an anchor point, a belief system, you, you're you're going to fill it with something else. You're not just mm -hmm. giving it away. You're saying, "I'm going to adopt something else in here." The, this whole these statistics about entertainment are really. Mm concerning you know you, you've got here teen, teenagers spend nine hours a day consuming screen entertainment yep. and adults six hours per day now this is going to be your netflix this is on your phone this is browsing the internet this is social media this is all of this that we are consuming so you think to yourself on the substance side what am i consuming in my diet right is it all dessert right is it all is it all sugar and fat uh, and, and then on, you know, or even worse, you know, worse to some degree, is it substance abuse? Is it other drugs, illicit drugs that are, I'm trying to fill something with it. And then on the other side, it's, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's still a mat entertainment is still consumption mm -hmm. in, into our minds and our hearts. It's still consuming something that is trying in many ways to fill a void. This is... Uh, you you put down this number nine hours a day for a teenager, six a day for for adults. That's the average. So yes. you have some, maybe I don't know what percentage, even if it's a large minority, that are well beyond that. I mean, this is all they yes. do in their free time. You lose your productivity, you lose your focus, you lose your goals, your telios of of mm -hmm. of life and where you want to go. Um I think the entertainment issue is as big as anything. Well, it is. And that, uh, we, we are a culture that is uh, obsessed uh, with being entertained uh, to the point where if you take someone's phone away from them, they're going to have a sense of withdrawal. I mean, that's been done. I mean, those uh, it, it's been done experimentally. experimentally. It's been done also uh, in, in uh, places where they take kids at risk. Uh, delinquents and so forth, take them out to a farm to try to help them take away the phones. And for the first two days, they, they are going through withdrawal. 
It's because they are so addicted, so obsessed by this need to to be entertained. Um, you know, part of it. I remember you. You may remember this, Greg. It was it was a study that was done a, a long time ago, but basically it was and it was with TV. So what they wanted to do was measure the brain waves of an individual doing several activities. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. And the lowest brainwave that was measured was when someone was sitting in front of the TV. And the reason was because the brain didn't have to supply anything. And, and now, so you put in front of someone a high def, uh, high, um, you know, high uh, deaf sound and visual arts and so forth, the mind actually drops down to no level. Well, any any muscle in the body will atrophy quickly. And so if you, uh, if you are before a screen nine hours a day and your mind, your mind doesn't have to really be involved, uh, then uh, you're, there's something's going to happen to your mind physically. Mm-hmm. And I think we see the consequences of that in our culture around us, the ability to think, the ability to reason, um, uh, the ability to, <laughs> the ability just to do away with entertainment for sure, or the earbuds with the music. Um, it, uh, it is an obsession. And I think the enemy is uh, laughing if, if it's a proper to talk it that way. It's, it's the enemy is laughing himself to death uh, over, over how we are so obsessed uh, and of course, that weakens us. It makes us uh, extremely weak. Yeah, it Self-centered. seems like there is the dichotomy of of uh, uh, one side consuming uh, consumerism, and on the other side, being productive. <laughs> it's, yes, it's, it's it's we're moving so far over to that side of the scale of of just of of consuming. We want to be cons- all you know consuming everything uh, and, and not producing as much. That brings us in some ways to the next point, which is soft. And that we talk about softening the belly. Well, this is yeah. this is being soft as a society here. You say we are now debilitated and require counseling if someone fails to use our personal pronoun. We have moved into a totally new realm, Dell, in the last even five to ten years of of this idea of victimhood and uh you know, you know, and I think about it just like we've been saying here it's still kind of this idea of consuming it's 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 all about me right yeah. I, i'm going to react to something to a microaggression because this is all about me and mm-hmm. your words are offending me how soft are we today well we're so soft that i mean i, I when i think of this i think again of you know the pioneer woman who uh, buries her child by the side of the trail. And uh, and after she's done <clears throat> weeping, then she climbs up in the covered wagon, grabs the reins and says, let's go. But now, you know, if you, if you say, if you don't use my pronoun, then I, I've got to go to therapy. 
or or if you if you say something uh, that I don't agree with, then or something happens. And I'm not trying to minimize this, but if you know some something happens, then we have to have everybody go to a counselor. Uh, we can't handle problems in our life, and one of the reasons, as you said, and we talked about this, and you know, I think threat number two is this self-absorbed homo deus uh, position where it's all about me. And if I'm raised in that kind of a coddled environment where I demand everything, uh, you know, I can, I can, my phone, I can get an answer to anything I want. I can, I can order anything I want. We live like a king, really. Then anytime a bump comes along, I don't know how to handle it. Because that's not supposed to happen to me, right? I mean, it's all about me. I'm supposed to be protected. I'm supposed to be um, catered to. I'm supposed to be coddled. And so if someone, a bully, says something to me, then I go into some sort of a tailspin. Or, as you know, as we're seeing today, tragedy, that we, we kill ourselves. And if you look at the reason that people are committing suicide, there means that, you know, people 100 years ago would say, are you kidding me? You know, you, that has driven you to suicide because somebody said a, a bad word to you? You know, did you, were you, I grew up with the phrase, you know, sticks and stones may break my oh, bones, sure. but words will never harm me. Yeah, well, you that, learned that early in, in elementary school. We did, right. Because it, it was part of our training. This is, look, you know, if the bully calls you a nasty name, then, then your world doesn't fall apart, right? And uh, so, but not today. Not today. In fact, you know, one of the major uh, crises that we think happens in our culture if somebody says something that is not woke, uh, you know, then, then we go into some sort of a psychological tailspin and nosedive, um, and we have to be viewed then as, um, you know, as as a victim, and someone has got to pay for this. So uh, that, that's a culture that is has no uh, backbone, a culture that has no strength, has no inner compass, uh, has no understanding of who they are and where they are in the larger story of God. You know, and also I think part of this is the implementation of, of postmodernism and critical theory into and, and, mm -hmm. and its infiltration into the society because when you divide everything into uh, you know victim and oppressor well of the two people usually choose victim if that's the way it is for everything hey i, I don't want to be the bad guy I, I i prefer to be the victim it's a horrible dichotomy right because it's mm -hmm. like I, I don't want to be either of those but that's the way this pushes everything you're, you're either a victim or you're an oppressor and so let's go with the lesser of the two evils here i guess i'll i'll, I'll be the victim and when you do that, what you're saying is the problem is always out there, mm -hmm. right? It's not in me. There's nothing in me that I need to build. There's nothing in me I need to improve. The problem is out there. And, and yep. therefore, I'm going to be an activist. I'm going to change the systems. I'm going to do everything outside of me, everything but change perhaps myself. In, in what I need to do. And of course, in a gospel sense, we can talk about repentance and mm -hmm. and following the commandments and, and everything else. But it's, you know, it just, it pushes responsibility 
outside of yourself. It is. And this is the consequence, again, of, of thinking it's all about me. And so if it's all about me, uh, and we see this in the, in the whole uh, attack upon human sexuality, where you know we give the, the divine right to a child to declare what sex uh, they are. And so it's all about me and who I am, and I am divine. So if something happens, as, as you were just saying, if something happens to me, it's not because of me. It's not the consequences of my actions. It's because somebody has not bowed down to my divine position. And so that, you know, that's our one of the main problems we have is the inability to connect the consequences of my action uh, with the circumstances I find myself in. And so if I don't work and then all I can't pay my rent, then we have to we have to view ourselves as a victim. You know, it's the land, the landlord, you know, he's you know, he's not being compassionate enough to me. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, it's exactly right. It, you know, those consequences of my actions uh, can't lead to uh, problems. And as, as you were just talking about, so therefore the problem is not me. And so I don't look at myself to say, you know, well, maybe I need to get a job. You know, maybe I need to stop smoking marijuana. <laughs> maybe I need to stop drinking. Maybe I need to stop spending 10, 9, 10, 12 hours a day on this thing, and maybe I need to get a life. No, what we say is it's your problem out there. And, and of course, that, the enemy is laughing again, right, at us, because uh, what it is is destroying the fruitfulness of, of uh, God's creation. Yeah, I think about, uh, I think about the, the scene of a two-year-old in a grocery store asking for the, you know, the Captain Crunch or, or the Fruity Pebbles mm. yeah. and not getting them. And then just throwing themselves on the floor, having this massive tantrum. But in our society where we used to say, no, that's not, you don't need that also. You've already got something else here that we picked. Now in our society, we affirm them. Yes. So they don't have the tantrum because that's a problem. And and we give them the Fruity Pebbles. We give them the Captain Crunch. And yeah. that's the way therapy even is. You know, the therapy industry right. has moved toward, it's moved away from resilience and into affirmation. It's it's very right. concerning. And, and if you don't, if you don't give them the Captain Crunch, then you will be considered an abuser. You'll be an oppressor, right? Because you're oppressing, yes. uh, you know, the divine needs that are being expressed by this two-year-old. It's, yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. it's absolutely ludicrous. Uh, it's, you know, crazy. Yeah. Well, and the captain and captain crunch might themselves be an oppressor, I guess it's a, a male captain there. So <laughs> it could, yeah, you know, it could be the manufacturer. Of the... <laughs> all right. Number three, dependency. These all mm -hmm. really are very much interwoven together here. Yes, but you say that uh, dependency is a means to become soft, but it also strips us of our incentive to be fruitful such is what happens when the state pays people not to work. So here you're going right into welfare, for example, and, and talking about how in society or government is, is going to come in and offer a welfare system that is not a short-term thing. Usually it is built to be a long-term program. What's the problem in creating a long-term welfare pro uh, program? 
Well, when you do that, uh, you begin to make uh, them a dependent upon the state. And <clears throat> the fallen nature of, of, of man is that I'll take the easy way out. And if the state is going to pay me a monthly amount of money, that is as much, or in some cases more, than what I can get by getting a job, well, duh, I, I'm going to stay home and, and watch TV and play video games. Uh, and so we then have to take the fruit of someone else who is working, someone who does get up in the morning and go out and produce, we, will ta we have to tax them more in order to pay for the lack of fruit in an individual's life. It's, you know, we look around and all of, after the COVID scare, we look around and all of a sudden it's like somebody snapped their fingers and every business has a, a please, please come and work for us. We, you know, we need workers. We were just, uh, when we were in, um, in Columbus the other day, went into a restaurant and, and three fourths of the, of the uh, booths were empty but we had to wait because they didn't have the wait staff. They didn't have the people to handle the people who would sit normally sit in those in those booths. Uh, I read not long ago that uh, in the state of Washington, uh, that um, people, if you can add up all the things of the the payments and so forth for someone uh, who is out of work and unemployed and so on and so forth, it's almost a hundred thousand dollars a year. So with that kind of, of uh, a pressure by the state to move you into a dependency, which I think is all about power, because there are certain uh, political forces that would say, if I can move people into more of a dependence upon the government, they will support me because I will be the one who will say, look, we will give you more. or We will, we will fill in this need. We will do this for you. And um, and so it's that that is the pathway to the death of a of a nation. I mean, we've seen that the dustbin of history is littered with states who have increasingly consolidated power at the top, made depend dependence of of their citizenry until the fruitfulness of those who still remained working was insufficient. That's what we're talking right now about the collapse of Social Security. Uh, in in not too many years from now, and there are other reasons for that. We'll get that in our next uh, in our next thread about the attack on the on the family and the lack of of having children. But part also is the lack of workers uh, who are now in a Ponzi scheme where the Social Security system is has been is turned into a Ponzi scheme where the money that comes in uh, is used to pay. Um, you know, other people right now. There is no fund. There is no Social Security fund. No. It's Rob. Rob it's all IOUs. All it is. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So it seems in these first three points here, a lot of what these are focused on is a whole idea of of taking away personal responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these things are so far are focused in 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 that area. Talk about dependency here. Another interesting thing of these pernicious ideologies out, out, out today uh, called woke ideologies. One of them is the attack on meritocracy. They use the term meritocracy. And mm -hmm. in fact, in a uh, pejorative sense, they say, that, you know, for example, with critical race theory, they're coming in and saying, well, meritocracy is whiteness, 
right? And, and they try and couple this into a pejorative sense of being productive is somehow negative for them you know, using those terms. It, it really is interesting that how can being productive be a negative for anybody? How can anyone start to see that? And yet that deception seems to be, you know, people are drinking the Kool-Aid. Right. They are. And remember when, uh, you know, we talked about this demonic worldview and uh, we talked about uh, what we call it cultural Marxism, neo-Marxism, it's Marxism. And Marxism will continually uh, find a way to pit people against each other. And so whether it's meritocracy or it's whiteness or it's maleness or it's whatever it is, there is an oppressor that is oppressing you and you need to rebel against that. Okay. And so, I mean, you, you think about the logic understanding of what happens in the American dream. You work hard, uh, you advance, you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. And uh, at some point, you can even uh, create more. That was the American dream. What we have an attack, we have the attack against the American dream to try to paint it as something racist, uh, something part of the hegemony that is oppressing you that needs to be overthrown. And so all of these things tie together, do they not? It's like you say, it's a perfect storm, right? We are we yes. are in a perfect storm right now. You make a quote on this on being lost. You say, we have the world's knowledge at our Google fingertips. And in the midst of this overwhelming mass of knowledge, we find it ultimately unfulfilling. And after hours of stuffing ourselves with it, we end up, up empty. This is so true. I mean, the idea originally, or you've got, you know, back into the 90s of, wow, we've get, we're going to be able to pull all of this information together and and uh, everyone can have an ac access to you know, originally they used to talk about having the, you know, the, the encyclopedia at the finger, at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. And, but all of this knowledge, this unbelievable knowledge that is able to be pulled in for us, it really is meaningless. If it's not, if it's not used in a, a, if you're not using wisdom with it, if, if mm -hmm. it's not for being productive, again, I can be how many times do we catch ourselves just browsing the internet, pulling up information, again, consuming all of these things? Right. How lost does, does this additional information that we bring in actually cause us to be more lost? Well, I think it does. And the reason is because uh, we see this in Solomon. Remember, Solomon wrote about this. Solomon had the means uh, in his day. Uh, to do everything that we we can do today, <laughs> right? I mean, he could be entertained. He could click his fingers and get music. He could get click his fingers and get a video. They were, they were live players. We get a video. Uh, he could call a servant to get something. We just uh, act uh, Alexa or whatever, and uh, we order something, and, and it's there this afternoon. I mean, it, we we live as a king. But Solomon was telling us he tried all of that. He tried drugs. He tried, he tried material goods. He tried entertainment. He tried everything. He tried power. He tried all of that. And, and he said, look, all of this without God is vain. It is empty. 
And that's exactly what we see happening today. So if you are a consumer of, of um, internet um, knowledge and so forth, and, and you consume it for the entertainment, as opposed to searching, we, I mean, a great, great tool. Uh, I use it a lot, but I'm searching for raw material that helps me produce something to be fruitful. There's the difference. So if I sit around all day and all I do is consume entertainment, uh, do searches, do uh, social media, all, all of that stuff, but it, it, it doesn't produce fruit, then at the end of the day, you feel empty. You, you feel like you've wasted a day, which you have. But if you do those things for the purpose of being fruitful, now it just simply becomes a tool. It becomes like a plow or a screwdriver or or a saw or a hammer or a you know a, a horse uh, with, that's been uh, been um, harnessed uh, for something. So that's the difference. And and you pointed it correctly. It's it's production. Are we being fruitful? with all of this, or is it all just about me? Am I the end game here, the consumer of all this stuff? And Solomon, the wisdom of Solomon would say, if you live your life like that, if you live your day like that, you will end up empty. There seems to be a principle there in delayed gratification mm -hmm. and, and what that might play in our, in our well-being. Right in understanding, because what is delayed gratification? You know, if you're if you're the king, if you're Solomon, and you can get anything that you want, and we all are today, we're all Solomon, like you said. In that sense, we are all not experiencing or experiencing to a much much smaller degree any kind of delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. um, it seems <clears throat> to me that that, in turn, creates a a process of thinking that says. I don't need to sacrifice, yes. right? I don't need to sacrifice something that would be short-term for something long-term, something better, something, again, more mm -hmm. eternal, right? It, it, it would be that delayed gratification. Everything is about convenience. To the point now with your phone, it's down to milliseconds. If this thing isn't reacting right away, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm perturbed by it. I've got a, I've got a problem with it, but that idea seems to me to, to come back to delayed gratification and our understanding of working and sacrificing for something of a greater good long-term. Yeah. Does that make sense? Guess, yeah. I, you know, I, I want to take this back to this uh, hunger to be significant. And it's a hunger that can't be satisfied by the things in the world uh, that truly can only be satisfied by God and by his design. So we can be satisfied to some extent by the, by the significance that comes uh, as a result of a, a relationship with, with my spouse, uh, the relationship with my children. Uh, those are part of God's design. Those intimate relationships are part of God's design. Um, the intimate relationships that result from deep friendships from people around us, this is a part of God's design. But ultimately, our significance is found in Christ. You know, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Now, see how, how radically different this is from, from the world today. It's all about me. It's all about my life. I have been crucified with Christ. 
And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. There is the source of all the significance that we ever need, that Christ himself loved me and gave himself up for me. When we lose that, then we are in this desperate search to find something to fill that. We think this will fill it. We spend hours and hours and hours trying to either uh, get satisfied from that, become significant, or at least to salve the, the hours and so forth, listen to music and so forth, eat sugar because my body craves sugar. Uh, and I and I don't deny myself. You know, Jesus said, you know, if you if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. We live in a culture that says you denying yourself is unhealthy, mm-hmm. right? Because it's all about you. You, I mean, you are the divine uh, homo deus. You shouldn't be de- denied anything. You know, you, you should be you should be worshipped. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, no, that that's the path that leads to destruction and yeah. death. It seems like. Uh... You know, you look at the rise in mental illness issues um, and everything that we're talking about. And granted, there are we live in a mental illness culture now. Mm. So there are probably a lot of times where that's probably not appropriate even to be bothering with. But, you know, as far as having resilience, et cetera. But still. All of these things, when you're when you're trying to fill a void with counterfeit consumerism, uh, it's. You're, you, the mental illness, the, the mental illness issues are going to skyrocket. There, there's no way around it. To, if you're going to avoid truth and order, it's you're, you, 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 that that cognitive dissonance, that mental illness is the further you move away from that truth and order, the the uh, the free your frequency is off. Yeah. Right? Your frequency is off from truth, and you're going to have these bigger issues. I wanted to say lastly here. And ask this question, is there a tipping point in societies where wealth, ease of living, and pleasure, just by the rule of numbers of people, turn the society downward? Well, I think there is, uh, but but I want to I want to say that with a caveat, and that is that uh, with God, all things are possible. And uh, I think in Christ, there is a solution to this. That's why we did the engagement project, where we're trying to call Christians to begin to build deep relationships with uh, with the people who are desperately seeking significance, who live right next door to you. Mrs. Smith, who is bitter at God, um, and the dysfunctional family, to build those relationships with them uh, so that um, hopefully by praying for them, that uh, they're going to find their significance in Christ. That is the solution to the problem. The problems we have and all these things we've been talking about, the solution is Christ and the new creature. That's what needs to happen. It needs to happen to Mrs. Smith across the street. It needs to happen to Jane and Susie who live next door. It needs to happen within this dysfunctional family. And people uh, who are addicted, trying to find some satisfaction through uh, whether that's chemicals or whether it's through constant entertainment, uh, the kid who can't uh, ever take the buds out of his ears, it, you know, that's the solution to him. There is something uh, called Jesus Christ that will fill the void that you are desperately trying to fill. And of course, that is the that is the good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Those are great ending words. Dill, thank you again for uh, being with us here on threat number six. We've got one more to go. We'll get to that next time in threat number seven. We'll see you then. Thank you, Greg. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.